A lot has changed with the way Google ranks pages in the past two years, and I mean a lot. Once upon a time, we lived in a reality where standing out with your content and creating something unique and remarkable that made people talk about you and link to you was the best way to attract Google's favors to your website. Well, these days are pretty much over. Today, Google goes with the trend and rewards Me Too content, and that's what we're going to be talking about in this episode, so stay tuned. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. No hype, no BS, no censorship. Just real-life online marketing tactics. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Authority Hacker Podcast. We are going to have a bit of a nerdy one today. We are going to be talking about higher-level debates on where Google's going, also what that means for uh, authority site owners and like what you should do and how things can change. And to be honest, a lot has changed I think in the last two years, actually, it's it's been quite crazy to see what the subs look like, not only in terms of structure, but also in terms of what's ranking. I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to say hello to Mark. I'm going to ask him how it's going. And then after that, we're going to get going. So how is going, Mark? It's going good. Thanks, Gail. Busy working on updating some content for one of our courses, the Authority Site System. So we're actually doing a full refresh at the end of this year of the link building module in there. So lots of cool new stuff uh, going to be in there. So if you're a beginner, I would highly recommend checking out that course, authorityhacker.com forward slash system. You can check out the sales page there. Yeah. And there's actually a free webinar as well. People can go check out the free webinar on the homepage of authorityhacker.com and you can join this like a, a two and a half hour webinar where we show how to start these sites. So if you haven't checked it out yet, you can go and check it out on the homepage, authorityhacker.com. Uh, hashtag self-promote done and uh, let's jump onto that let's talk about i mean okay like the title of that podcast is is google still rewarding unique content which i think is a bit of a controversial one i hope a lot of people are going to share it on twitter etc like uh, you know it's like we're going a bit with clickbait titles these days but i think it's actually a real debate so i don't feel bad putting that title on that podcast because obviously like google is still looking for quote-unquote unique content but it almost feels like we're getting into that definition of unique content that seos have had for a while which is rewriting the same shit that i've been able to google for that keyword before and it feels like google is going that direction too which personally pisses me off as a content creator because I, I think i've been quite good at like outsmarting a lot of people and like explaining stuff but it's really not rewarded these days and i've actually shared some of that on the in my Chiang Mai SEO talk, right, where I was showing a page on Authority Hacker on how to make money blogging. And we actually, I, I've mentioned that story several times, but if you haven't heard it, I'll say it again. We tried to explain how to make money blogging by looking at the income reports that many bloggers have done over the years and kind of like correlating it with some metrics from their business that were publicly available, like number of backlinks, Twitter followers, Alexa rank, etc., and just try to essentially explain like, okay, what well, seems to be the stuff that people are doing that correlates with making money while blogging, which was a cool way of doing that. And Google did reward us for a long time for that because it was a quite popular post. A lot of people linked to it. We have one of the pages with the most links for that query. But like then that, that page basically tanked about two years ago, actually. And uh, essentially what's ranking these days is like, uh, oh, should you put your blog on WordPress or Blogger and selling a bunch of Bluehost affiliate shit? That is what's ranking on page one. That's what the big sites are doing. And so these sites are getting some traction because they're big and Google essentially determines that that's what people should be doing. So I actually took that page and, and rewrote it. I, I still couldn't get myself to put a Bluehost affiliate link on this, but we still managed, we'd like, we got closer to what was ranking. And that page uh, like shoot up in rankings as soon as we wrote it. And it was 
just exactly the same shit as everyone else was saying. And that is essentially what we want to talk about in this podcast. And I think that starts with the rise of search intent. Not a lot of people talk about that. And I think it's always been around. Like, you know, when you Google the brand, you could kind of always find that brand on top of its search uh, results, which is essentially like very, very basic search intent, right? You Google a brand, Google essentially establishes, okay, you're trying to go to that brand's website. And regardless of link metrics and anything else that is in the algorithm, Google is going to show you that page on top and you're going to easily access it. And that makes sense. So search intent is not really something that's like brand new, but it's something that's been developed a lot more for queries that are past navigational in the past few years. And two, I think Google is quite excited with all the AI stuff, et cetera, and just like trying to spin it off to as many queries as they can, maybe because it generates more ad revenue. We don't know, but it's quite interesting. And we have found in that million uh, sub case study that you can find also on the homepage of Atari Hacker, where we scraped a million subs and tried to analyze like what seemed to correlate higher with rankings, that this quote-unquote search intent was pretty much the number one ranking factor and was beating even backlinks, which were like established as the strongest ranking factor for a very, very long time. It's quite interesting to see that. Do you want to say anything about search intent before I keep going, by the way? Yes. So the point you mentioned before about our how-to-make-money blogging example, I think it's important to draw two distinctions here. One is, is this what the people who are searching for this query want. I think there's a reasonable argument to make that how to make money blogging and how much do these dudes make blogging are probably two different things. So maybe like there's a level of disjointedness between, that's not even a word, there's a level of separation between what we were giving and what Google thinks people want when they search for that. So that's one factor. And I think it's important to isolate that from what I think the bulk of this show is going to be about, where we're talking about, okay, now that everyone has established that this is the precise formula that people or Google thinks people want to see and therefore is rewarding by higher rankings and everyone just piling in, copying that exact same structure format. So those those are kind of like the two parts of this, I would say. Yeah, I agree. And I'm not saying that anything is right or wrong. In your case, I think it's true. Like people... Like the newbie trying to Google how to make money blogging doesn't even know what Alexa rank is, et cetera. So to an extent, that result was not the best result. Yeah, it was the number one result for a while. And that brings up another point. So, I mean, these things can change gradually. They can often change like all of a sudden when some kind of update like this happens. But it's also the case that when we first created that piece of content, most of the content out there addressing this was pretty bad. And I think that there's definitely a quality creep in a good good way in terms of people are producing a lot better content now than even two, three years ago, let alone five, 10 years ago. So that is also when you have genuinely have lots of very, very good pieces of content around targeting a specific query, the marginal difference between each one becomes very, very small. And I think the main thing that concerns me, though, not from an SEO, but from a Google user's perspective, is that people are going to be creating just not exactly the same content, but more or less clones of each other. You have a situation where anyone that wants to rank is just going to go straight to Page Optimizer Pro or Surfer or Quora or one of these things and write a copy. And I'm not saying 
the words are going to be the same, but they're going to hit all the same key points, it's going to be about the same length. The H2s are going to be very similar. And you'll just have like 10 of the same article on page one. The problem, therefore, is that people are, are aiming for that. They're aiming for the target essentially becomes a better copy of, of what's currently ranking number one. Not, oh, let's take this like fresh idea, go back to the whiteboard and come up with something truly unique, which actually, to, to in, in fairness, might actually be the case because i mean we don't have any metrics to score this but if the if google like let's just pretend for a second for for the sake of this argument let's let's pretend that google gives each of these a score and the the site whose number one is currently ranking at like five out of ten in this like imaginary score that i just made up if everyone else is copying that article trying to write a slightly better version but like hitting all the same everyone's a five but no one's trying to write a six, seven, eight, nine, ten on that imaginary scale article. So my response or my my what I want to put out there is: is this really any different to how it's always been, or is it, are we just in a case where content is getting better? This is the manifestation of competition and everyone leveling up their quality. Yeah, it actually reminds me a lot. I watch a lot of like esports stuff. And uh, it's basically like, this is a video game competitions, but for any sports, it's the same, right? It's like even for football or anything like that, right? It's like you get like, when you learn something new, you get like a large progress and you do things very differently from one year to the other. But when you get to the top 1% of whatever discipline that you're into, then you're really talking about tiny, tiny optimization and tiny tweaks. And I think that we're reaching that level of maturity in the content industry where, well, this is what's happening. Essentially, like we've already figured out 98% of it, and then it's just the last 2% that need to be figured out. But then that means the variation between a top 10% and the top 50% is almost nothing. It's just tiny details. A really good example of, of what you just said, also from the world of sports, is Formula One car racing. If you look at different Formula One cars from the 1920s or the 1930s from different teams, they all look completely different. Like you, you wouldn't realize they were competing in the same race. They're so different. If you look at different Formula One cars from this year, they're all basically, I mean, if you took the paintwork off, it would be very, very hard to tell the difference between them because they're essentially all the same car. They've all learned what is the, the best way to go fast and to brake hard and to corner and all the other important factors which are, are necessary for, for winning a race. The cars have been optimized over literally hundreds of years or a hundred years or so in order to achieve this. And so I think to an extent, we're seeing for sure the same thing with content. Now, the difference here is that with a Formula One car, you can absolutely objectively 100% say, okay, I'm winning. I deserve to win because I was the first over the finish line and had the lowest time. You can't really question that. Where it's different here is that there's no kind of the obvious result or the, the way results are measured are determined, and I, I say this loosely, arbitrarily by Google. Obviously, they, they know what they're doing and they have a, a, a big algorithm that is the core of their business, which is deciding which sites to put, to put where. But from the outside perspective, that could change at any moment and you, you won't know why. 
So you're kind of dealing with this situation where the best solution, because you don't have that environmental feedback, aside from Google, the, the Google surf itself, because you don't have that, that feedback that the Formula One car would have, the best solution, therefore, becomes to imitate what's currently working number one now. And should that change just to imitate what's working for number one after the next update kind of thing? That's the thing. It's like it's a moving target. And I think that heavily, that makes the work really difficult for all the sites, right? It's like if you if you have an older site that's already established with thousands of pages and you have not necessarily kept up to date with your content, et cetera, that target is slowly moving and you're slowly getting out of date and you're like really struggling to even just maintain your position. So there's almost like that. It's like if you look at most sites in the top search results these days, apart from a few really big ones, they're all less than 10 years old, you know? Even the about.com ones, like .dash, right? They have, um, now they have very well feed, they have very well housed, they have like uh, the spruce and they have like a bunch of them. They literally had to rebuild about.com. They literally had to kill about.com and rebuild it because of that, because that target has been moving and about.com was losing traffic. And now they have, they have been doing that and they have integrated the fact that this is a moving target and not a one-off thing. They're doing like amazingly well. Like it's, I don't know if they're publicly traded, but we should definitely have about shares in their company because they're like killing it now in Google. And I think that is, um, I think one big shift that happened in terms of that moving target is the post 2016 election and Brexit vote. I think if you look at, uh, no, it is because I mean, I see your face right now. You guys don't see on the podcast, but it's, it's like. It's like what has happened is essentially fake news has become something that has been looked at and it's like not, and Facebook has gotten into a lot of trouble for it, right? And if there was some kind of SEO manipulation that could be done and has been done in the past that affected a, a public life event like that, then it would be really bad PR for Google and they would be facing even more antitrust investigation than they are facing now. And or if someone, let's say someone is about to have a heart attack and lands on a shitty health site and reads some advice and dies from a heart attack and that PR story goes on the newspaper, oh, some guy could have been saved, but he Googled it and he found bad advice and died, you know? I think... Around that time period, there has been a direction change in terms of what is good content. And I think that before that, and that's why the legacy SEO stuff I said is that everything was decided by the link graph, mostly. Like mostly it was like links could make you rank, which is why that make money blogging page ranked really well. Why? Because people who were talking about make money blogging did like that page. So they linked to it. We got a lot of links to that page. And because it had keyword relevancy on the page, it had like the keyword multiple times, et cetera. And it had uh, the links from the sites because it was appealing to the site owners, not necessarily the people that actually were Googling the query. Essentially, it was ranking. So the link graph pushed it up despite the maybe lack of, you know, it wasn't in sync with, people, with what people that were Googling stuff were looking for. Whereas after this and after all these kind of like fake news stuff and all of that and medic updates, et cetera, that kind of like all fall into the same basket, feels like Google is willing to bypass the link metrics and look more like fact verified stuff and also just in general what people are looking for in, in the sub and what is widely accepted as the answer to a question. And they use a bunch of, I guess, proxy metrics for that. And that's why, for example, like 
they're looking probably at like the, the best sites, the strongest sites, and they're kind of like analyzing these pages, the sites that they can trust. And then essentially looking at how similar you are to that page to evaluate how good you are yourself. And eventually, I guess they might be building some kind of domain score of like trust or something like this. But now they're using stuff like NLP. They're using the presence of keywords more. It seems like they're using the EAT stuff, et cetera. And it's very tricky. Basically, like the links don't decide what's ranking anymore. And it's it's hard to even tell what's happening with these updates. So it is quite tricky to understand what's happening. Do you want to say anything about this, about this kind of like change and shift and everything? That is the case, but that has also always been the case. I don't think anything has changed in the sense that Google is still trying to decide what the best result for the keyword is. Now, we can argue about them being a corporation trying to make money, and I would have no doubt that at some point they have tested giving worse results because maybe that makes them more money on AdWords and all this kind of stuff. But like, but if we just take that aside and we presume that Google is a good actor at the moment and they're trying to present the best information, then I think it's it's a good thing that they try and not have like pseudoscience-y stuff around heart failure on page one. It's good that stuff is not ranking. And I speak as someone who's had a site suffer for that, I believe. I, I still think it's a good thing for the general public that this has happened. I don't think that Google was ever trying to have bad stuff or incorrect information rank in the first place. I just think they've gotten better at doing their job. Maybe they weren't trying as hard as well. Like before all these like public cases, maybe they weren't trying as hard. Like maybe it wasn't worth it. And that makes sense, right? Because when a lot of people say there's a problem, I mean, perhaps no one was kind of voicing complaints before, but to my knowledge, I don't know of any like serious complaints that people have like, oh, I Googled how to do this and it killed me or whatever. I'm sure it's happened, but there hasn't been very many high level, high profile cases or news stories around this, to my knowledge, at least. So one could argue that therefore they've actually done a good job because they've gotten out in front of this before this is really had a huge negative impact or it's it's hurt a lot of a lot of people and you could also say that a lot of the stuff which they were ranking i'm talking specifically around health pre-medic update and and all that it was like it was incorrect but it was probably not that harmful some of it it wasn't telling you to do stuff that would actually kill you now there are cases when it was saying don't go see your doctor or don't trust big science or big pharma or whatever and okay, there's, there's arguments to be, to be made there. But I, I think really it's the fact that they've made a change or they, they've made several changes in different different areas here. And those changes have just overnight affected a lot of people, a lot of websites, and a lot of people who hold quite militant views around some of these topics. We're talking about health, wealth, politics, religion, all that kind of stuff, uh, which typically people get quite worked up about. I don't know if you've noticed. So I think it's it's more the expression of discontent and perhaps it's a symptom of them not really understanding the landscape because it's Google and it's the this mysterious algorithm and they're not telling you exactly what's going on and being totally straight with you all the time. That's kind of compounding to to make this more of an issue than it than it actually Actually, is. I think it, uh, there's a part of it that makes Google worse, though. I don't think it's all it's all great. I think you're sometimes unable to give people what they need for the correct typing just because, like, Google is favoring a type of result 
that will not give as much value to the end user, but they're just unaware of it because they don't even know about their own issue. So let's take an example that everyone's going to understand on this podcast. Let's say we try to rank for the query link building tactics, right? So if like I'm, I didn't Google it, but I'm 99% sure it's all going to be list posts. Basically, it's going to be like 200 link building tactics, etc. And you're going to have a blurb of like 50 to 80 words per link building tactic. And that's probably what's going to be ranking on top and doing quite well. Except that people who are Googling link building tactics, sure, they're looking for tactics, but they also need some kind of framework to execute link building and do well with that. And so there's like deeper things to explain, like, you know, how to present yourself, how to negotiate, how to do all these things that would help the user more than giving them a list of 200 tactics. But because Google is going to decide to show that kind of results, you are unable to help the users that are actually Googling that stuff on that page, at least, because if you do that, you will rank lower, you know? You're right. And I just Googled it and it is basically all list posts. So so what you're essentially saying, though, is that this is what people think they need. You think they need something else. Therefore, that you should give them what you think they really need as opposed to what you think they're looking for. But like the flip side of that is, well, what about the person who does have all the the infrastructure and the persona like type thing down? And they literally just need more tactics. I agree. But like before that, like because Google was relying more on the link graph, essentially they could rely on like industry experts to decide for the industry what was the best post that was explaining link building tactics, even if there was more nuances around it. It wasn't exactly the format that Google was looking for because it was relying on sites like Moz, like Ahrefs, et cetera, to link to these sites, essentially give them the power to rank up for that query. Whereas now... Because of user intent, essentially Google's like, well, you can get all these links. It's going to help you a bit, but this is the format I want to see. And if you don't have that format, then fuck off. And as a result, like people are, are milking it. And what it becomes for list queries, essentially, is like who is going to have the most list items, right? Because one of the proxy metrics that Google is very likely using is the click-through rate in the sub. So like who is like what title gets the most clicks and what result gets the most click compared to their position, right? And so what we're finding in the list subs list post subs is that essentially the, the item that has the most items. So it's like, let's say you have 80 and your computer has like 100, your computer will get more clicks. So like people do that and then you update, you're like, oh, 110. And then your computer goes back 120, et cetera. Um, all of that while trying to stay within the world count that is the average for the query because Google is also looking at the world count. So what you're doing is you're not developing each point at all and you end up with like one line per point, which you will find in a lot of these list posts. And they become really shit content and the whole first page ends up with this ranking on the first page. This because Google overly relies on search intent over the link graph. And I think to that aspect, it makes Google worse. Yeah. I mean, I think that in this specific example, it really depends on the individual like performing the search, what, what they need. I think there's a lot of people looking for another tactic who the best thing for them would be not to have another tactic, but just how to better implement the tactics they've already learned about or how to scale a tactic or make it more efficient and, and these kinds of things. But it's very hard to be able to interpret or understand where someone's at in their learning journey and present them with that information, with the correct information. I think it's almost impossible for Google to know that at that stage because they have no way to kind of really measure it. I think what they can measure is the the results of what happens when we put these queries at the top and people click on them and they can like measure engagement, 
all these these kind of proxy metrics as you said but also like how does that affect adwords revenue and what can we sell here and and, and these things so that there's there's like competing interest there for sure but in terms of the like to get back to the question like does it make it worse i don't know i, I don't know if it makes it worse like it, it may in many cases make it better google has determined this is what people want for this and we can say okay google you're wrong people say they want this but actually they need that and there, there are probably valid cases when that's that's true it's kind of like going to your doctor and telling them what you need sometimes you know yeah and often what you say you want is not what you really need which is a problem in itself but for those people who say what they want and they that's actually what they need I believe this is better because this is giving them truer, more accurate, like more more relevant information and more of it because it's not just one result in the top 10 that they, they're going to click on. It's You might want to read all of these. But are you happy when you get like 10 list posts? Wouldn't you want some diversity in the results? Like, are you happy when you get 10 list posts when 80% of lists overlap anyway because they copy each other? That is a big problem is that you, you will start to see there will be situations where there's like 10 list posts of all the exact same, the exact same number and they all have the exact same list post points. I haven't seen that happen yet, but I could see I could foresee a world where, where that does exist. So I wonder if we may move to a stage where duplicate content is not just the same words, I mean, like the old school duplicate content meaning, but there may be a point where you just venture too close to what someone else is saying. And then for the sake of diversity in SERP, Google will like pick other people. So I feel like there's a kind of a point where maybe we've already reached it. We just don't know because it doesn't show those results. But I feel like maybe we're, maybe there's a point where it can be too similar. But the thing as well is like, what, what, like, if they decide like, okay, like we're going to introduce some diversity. If your content is basically the same as everyone else, we're not going to show it anymore. Does that mean that uh, Healthline writes an article in the health subs and essentially secures all the facts for their article and then you cannot use most of these on your article because they've essentially used it already. And now you, now you have to essentially write random shit about the health benefits of cabbage because uh <laughs> yeah, no that's a good point D it depends where that threshold is between like too similar and different enough i think it's quite high you could probably use like quite a lot of the same information but to be honest like in, in a well i mean that's that's another point when you get into medical terms if if 10 results are telling you to do this to solve your medical problem maybe that's a good thing. So maybe this is a a case-by-case -case kind of basis that that decision needs to be made. Yeah, I agree. It is a tricky one, but it is interesting to see. I, I think we are reaching definitely this point of situation. Not entirely yet, you know, like when everyone is using like software SEO, et cetera, like I think, I think we'll be there in like a year and a half, you know? I think it will take around that for like most big, like it only takes maybe like 15% of publishers to adopt this. But like if the 15% biggest publishers adopt this, then it means 80% of subs end up being like me too content and just copying each other. But you know, I'm, I'm looking at multiple stories, right? I'm looking at, first of all, I'm looking at Cow Roof, who is ranking these Laura Mipsum websites by just putting the same keywords as everyone else that's ranking and just some Laura Mipsum in between. There's literally no content and Google's like ranking these queries. Admittedly for like small queries, but still there's literally no content on that page other than copy pasted content. We had another 
HPro member who had an issue with that. One of his writers was pretty much exactly writing computer's content and kind of like optimizing it with these SEO tools. And you would expect that because it's, it was so close, like it was almost word for word. He didn't know that, by the way. He realized that after and he's trying to fix it now. But you would expect that it wouldn't rank. But Just so we're clear, like what happened was like the writer was supposed to write another, like a better version of, of this article from a competitors. As many websites do, you know, they, they, they target a, a keyword. They look at what's ranking. They try and write a better version of that. But this writer got a bit lazy and was literally lifting whole paragraphs and like changing one word and that kind of thing so it's kind of like stepped across the line by by quite a bit i think yeah it was pretty much the same content with some synonyms so like and then you would expect that google would catch that especially when you're just using like basic synonyms etc but they didn't this site ranked above the original articles in many cases or at least in close enough positions and picked up a lot of traffic that way. So, you know, it almost feels like the dial is already pushed to the maximum on that, like, uh, similar content rewarding. I'm very curious. Actually, like, you know, in HMSEO, right, in between the talks, like, some people were telling me, after seeing all these kind of, like, case studies, they were just considering just spinning content and just inserting relevant keywords in the content and just starting sites that way. And then if they do well, they can just like tweak the content and adjust it, right? So this is the kind of stuff that people are talking about in terms of SEO behind closed doors. And I think it this shows that this is a phenomenon that is starting to saturate and is maybe quote unquote overpowered and needs enough when you get rewarded for this kind of stuff on your website. But to this day, at this point, like even us, when we're creating content now, we are following this. So we are, we are using Surface here, but there's many other tools. There's a Page Optimizer Pro, there's Core, et cetera. There's this whole movement of correlational SEO, which is essentially that, essentially looking at the top pages, emulating what they're doing and ranking. And a lot of people are doing that now. And a lot of people are doing well doing that right now. And honestly, I didn't hear, there was nowhere near as much momentum behind this kind of stuff two years ago, three years ago, that kind of stuff. This is something that is pretty new and most likely because it is increasingly rewarded by Google when you create that kind of content. Whereas before it was kind of nice, now it's it's really powerful. So I think I wanted to like, this was kind of like disarticulated debate, but I want to go over like what that means for people who are listening to this podcast. How do we go beyond the debates and what does that change in a way you should be running your content, etc. And I think there's a lot of like points that we mentioned in the debates, like moving target, uh, preparing for the future, aging websites that maybe he's chasing a target now, but suffer for it in the future. And overall, just like, how do you still compete like right now and, and do well, right? So, I mean, the first thing I want to say with that is that you're, you're not going to change the, the direction Google is going in. It doesn't mean they will not change their own direction. It just means there's nothing you can do to change it. All you can do is adapt to what's working now or basically suffer the consequences, which is getting less traffic to your website. But I think the first point, and I think uh, I want to hear what you think about that, is several years ago, SEO was a very, very, very much a link building game. It was put your site up and then just build links forever and kind of like never touch your pages. Nowadays, I feel it's it's very much shifted towards what's on your site, updating your content, freshness, content relevancy, site structure. And I think I'm going to add to add something to that. I think the site structure is going to become important. I think we're getting to a point of maturity in SEO where your SEO pages are pretty much exclusively SEO pages. And I think one interesting case study for that is Ahrefs blog. Ahrefs blog 
is 100% an SEO blog. They get more traffic than most now with their blog, right? They're doing really well and they've caught up. But like, honestly, like their blog is promoted when it's relevant, but like, it's not something that people talk a lot about on social media. It's not something that uh, is heavily discussed or most of the topics they cover are not necessarily very groundbreaking, but they're hitting the right keywords at the right time with the right site structure. And for that, they get rewarded with a lot of SEO traffic. And what it shows is that when you run your blog, your content, there's basically sections of your site that you run just for SEO. You don't really care if your audience pays attention to it. And, and you build your site structure around that as well. So it's not really about links anymore. We have shifted way more towards like a content game, on-site game. And maybe SEO now is just becoming its own beast that you run on the site rather than like making part it part of like your main business communication stuff. What do you think about that, actually? I think that applies at higher competition points and levels, much more so than at like lower competition keywords with like newer sites. I think we are DR75 now with Authority Hacker. We're just in that point where we are competing at a high level with really good people who know what they're doing, know what they're talking about, know how to do SEO. And and this is just the nature of the beast at this level. The marginal difference between, you know, getting good link here or there is not going to allow us to overtake the next next biggest site because on that front they're quite far ahead or just the the gap between DR seventy five and eighty is massive compared to five and ten, for example because of the, the way the scale works. I think links are still hugely, hugely important. And I feel like there may even be a point where they become more important if we get everyone doing the surfer copy. When everyone has the same content, yeah. Yeah, basically. I mean, not just links, but like other factors as well. Like, like you said, site structure and internal linking and and these kinds of kinds of factors as well. So. Honestly, I'm, I'm not too worried about links like disappearing anytime soon as the or one of the most important things. I'm not saying that they're going to disappear. I'm just saying it's less of a focus now. And I think if you didn't sort the other shit before, then links will not save you as much as they probably would have before. And I, I think that is the case at high level, like in higher competition and w- with like higher levels of competition. I don't think that's the case at like low competition areas. Yeah, but I think, uh, you know, it's like I've been doing a few, uh, a bit of an issue lately. And I do see sites that are like kind of terrible with link metrics, but because they are nailing that site structure, the content structure and all of that, they are, they're still killing it in subs. And, so, but, and that, that has um, always been the case though. It wasn't the case that there was just people who, I mean, 2006 you have people who just stuffed the keyword in like invisible white text on their page and they were ranking more than people who had links i'm curious to see if that still works because now now that we see keyword stuffing's working you know yeah i mean i don't think so they've done a lot to combat the invisible text stuff many years ago but it's just again is this really like something new or is it just oh a lot of websites have very good on page now Therefore, the difference between them is, is is lower than it used to be. And that link is not doing what it used to do. Yeah, I agree. There's like a lot of strong sites. So one link is nothing. Yeah, I see what you mean. 
but again, it still goes that links are not everything anymore. Before you could basically before you could do a lot of shit stuff and just save yourself with link building. A lot of people used to have like default WordPress theme sites and be able to secure hundreds of links and just like take over like a site that's like 10 years old and creating great content and doing a good job, et cetera. Agreed. And that's a good thing. I'm thinking of our friend who, who made that site, like how to date models. And it was like a picture of his face and nothing else on it. And just threw a bunch of like spammy links to it and it ranked like number two or something. But that was like something that didn't really deserve to be there. So, you know, maybe this is actually like a good thing. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not saying it's, a, I'm just saying for this, a, a lot of people still operate on that kind of like old software, basically, where it's like, well, I, I can build a shit site. I'll save myself for zing building. I'm going to do much better than these shit people in this niche that don't really know about SEO, et cetera. I think that has changed. And I think that as a site owner, you should revisit that and, you know, building sites with the right structure, with the right content, with the right, all of that will go a long way, especially if you have a site that already has a lot of links. I find myself doing that a lot these days. Like I don't really worry too much about links on sites that are already fairly high DR. I just fix stuff on the site and I'm able to like get massive lifts in traffic. And so I think that's quite interesting to see that. Actually, the, um, the case to decide for, for task got that. Like I changed a few things and I just managed to like lift up the traffic quite a bit over the past week. I think it's it's quite interesting. It's quite interesting to see that. It's like you, you can spend your time somewhere else than just link building 24-7 and do quite well. Probably you have a base of link. If you have zero links, I think you should have some you should get that. I think the number two is like, well, you should play the game as well, right? It's like if you want to get SEO traffic, if that's your goal, then you need to get onto that train of creating content that's at least structured similarly to what's ranking on page one these days. I think there's still ways to add value. I think you can increase production value with this, like getting custom graphics, including original case studies, and creating videos, embedding them, and also competing on YouTube. There's a lot of ways to like do this quote-unquote me-too content. At the same time, maintain some values of like creating great content. So maybe I was a bit pessimistic at the beginning of the podcast, but I think there is still ways to do that. But it's also... Uh, we've seen massive lifts of pages just by tweaking them a bit and matching more what was on the first, like to what was on the first page of Google. So I think getting onto that, you don't even need to buy a tool. Really, you can just like look at the top three pages, four pages, and look at their links and understand what type of content Google is looking for. You will be rewarded for it. If organic traffic is your goal, then do that. If you don't want to put that on your main blog, just like we have that on Autorio Hacker, we have several pages that are like hidden from the main blog feed, et cetera, that are here for SEO that serve the query pretty well. So we have some, for example, for like different FA programs. So if you Google like, I don't know, like fitness FA programs or stuff like that, we'll probably be ranking on page one for that. We don't necessarily put that on the blog because most people are not interested, but the people who Google it, well, it's kind of nice for them to find that list of, uh, of affiliate programs. So you can hide this from there, but I think you should start playing that game a bit if you want to rank and if you still want traffic from Google. And actually, yeah, on top of that, I want to say that if you want to still create that kind of like original stuff, standout content, etc., I think YouTube is the place to do that now because YouTube is a is a platform. I mean, first of all, YouTube... even then it's not because it's it's more about like the virality and like sensationalizing but that, 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 again, is a different thing from objectively fresh, good content, you know, because that, that can often be more on the boring side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it's like if you're like if you're it not engaging if you're not like doing crazy stuff if you're not like having a thumbnail that is shocking etc then you will not get that but like at least in the content of your video you are not as policed as you would be with your text content by google because it's like it's it's about how people react to your content rather than like what's actually inside your content and so i think there's there's a bit more room here to be a bit more creative and so it's kind of interesting to think about that so if you want to take the if you were doing more original stuff then you can take that learn how to do videos and then embed these videos into your content. And so you're able to still deliver that value or through podcasts like we're doing now. You can still deliver that value while still having a page that matches what is expected by Google and rank. So there's this kind of like a ways around to actually like still do that kind of stuff. You really just need to do that kind of, to like use YouTube, use podcasts, use embedded media, embed an Instagram post or whatever on your post and like have that extra value in there there's there's ways to do that basically another thing that i think has changed for authority owners is that longer like extra long content is not really the game anymore like in the sense that for a while right it was like if you want to rank for that query just write a thousand words more than whatever the longest page on the surface and you would end up ranking it doesn't reward us as much these days that makes sense because like if everyone just kept doing that it would just be ridiculous so but that's what happened on some queries, right? It's like if you Google like best wireless router or like these kind of like queries, you'll find that these roundup reviews, they're all like 15K words now or something. Like it's just quite insane. Like you don't need this much, especially when most traffic is mobile. Like who wants to read this much on their on their phone, especially when people have like the old tiny iPhones, four, five, six or something. Like there's no way. And so yeah, and Google is finally kind of like, coming back from that and actually we've done um we have a post that's not released yet but will be released soon on like how long should your content be and we found that the main advantage of long content is that it's not google who rewards it it's actually people who tend to link to it more it's like there's a very clear correlation between world lengths and like how many people link to it which kind of explains the rest like how getting more traffic getting more etc but if you're writing best wireless routers or like some kind of query where you're very unlikely to get a bunch of links anyway and where the content is like so ridiculously long they actually deserves the query rather than serves it then that google actually seems to not reward that and there has been several case studies by like matt diggity matthew woodward etc where they remove content from some pages that had too much content and actually started gaining rankings because i guess I guess Google actually prefers that shorter world range, but you know because the link metric still impacts things. If you have long content that has a lot of links, you'll still see a lot of long content rank in Google. But it doesn't mean that the search intent does reward long content, basically. So I think basically don't default to long content for every single piece. It's something that we need to do at Authority Hacker as well. We need to start cutting that. We've started already. Now we're down to around three thousand words from like ten, twelve thousand about two years ago. <laughs> hey guys, we just had some. Quick audio issues, so we are changing the setup right now. So sorry if the audio changes, but we're going to keep going. So the, the last point I wanted to talk about is you need to keep auditing your pages regularly because actually, you know how you assume that how to make money blogging content was shit? It's actually all the top pages that have stayed on top actually have completely rewritten what was on the page. At the time at which we were ranking, I checked on archive.org actually they were talking about their own like story on how they started making money blogging all these big blogs and that's how they all like did well 
And if you actually check now, the same pages, the same URLs, they're actually all changed. They are, because I guess they understand search intent as well. They've seen the sub change. And as a result, they've all changed with like a, to a more tutorial based type uh, content. And I think that is something that will happen to a lot of queries, especially as you're at your content age. So, you know, like we talk about updating content, et cetera. It is like freshness to your content is like a massive ranking factor as well. But not only that, but like the actually Google's interpretation of the search intent of a query or even the actual search intent of a query might change over time. And your content that was matching the search intent at the time might not match it nowadays. And that is often the case of pages that used to rank really well and don't rank very well at all anymore and start being like page three, four, et cetera. That is because the search intent of that page does not match anymore, even if at the time it did. So it's like re-auditing the pages that are losing traffic and re-auditing not only your pages, but rather the pages that rank for these queries and how they actually differ from your page and rewriting them, re-optimizing them, et cetera, is something that site owners are going to have to do. And I expect there's going to be a lot of the work that people will do next year because especially if you have large sites, right? Like we, we, we've been playing with large sites and that's why, kind of why I'm saying that. If you're starting up, no, that's not what you're going to be doing because you will be matching the search intent of right now. But when your site turns like three, four, five, six years old, this becomes a real problem. Like maintaining your content, keep matching the search intent and doing all these things is going to be something that you're going to be spending most of your time on and that is going to reward you more than publishing new content, which is why I expect a lot of people to do that kind of stuff. I think that's a valid thing. I also think that it's something that people should have been doing anyway, yeah. always. I think that in, in higher competition SERPs and niches, people have been yeah. doing that for a lot longer. I think we're just getting to a, a point. It's kind of like in an MMO when it first launches, like no one knows how to like really yep. play any exactly. of the characters. But then as time goes on and there's guides and tutorials and people just have more Everyone's experience, running, they, get, you know? they get better and better and better. And then suddenly everyone is awesome and like the marginal difference between people is, is is so small but you have to like really pay attention to to those things and, and capitalize on them so that's what this is here yep so that's basically it for this podcast thank you for listening if you enjoy this kind of like nerdy debates let us know on twitter you can tweet to us at Otoy hacker and if you're not subscribed yet don't forget to subscribe as I said at the beginning of the podcast, but I'm going to repeat it, we have a free training available. So if you want like actual training on starting new authority sites, you can go and find it on authorityhacker.com. And if you really, really enjoy this podcast, then you can drop us a review on your favorite platform, but iTunes is usually better. So thanks for listening and we will see you next week. Bye.